0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is March the 13th, the Monday, 2023. March, of course, is Women's History Month, and in a sense, uh, on today's show, we are celebrating women's history although i'm not sure all women will be necessarily proud of this particular history it's um a true crime history uh a few months ago we did a show about a scandalous 1922 murder in new jersey uh a book uh blood and ink uh written by the journalist joe pompeo about the so-called halls mills murder case Two people dead. Uh, lots of true crime. Lots of enthusiasm from uh, the true crime uh, community on uh, Pompeo's blood and ink. Today we are doing something a lot more serious, at least in terms of blood. I'm not sure about the ink. Um, the angel makers of a small town in Hungary, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Nagyrev. Uh, most of us have never heard of the place or even the region. Uh, in the south central area of hungary um the angel makers of uh nagariv um were guilty they're all i think women uh, of uh, history's most astonishing murdering, at least that is according to my guest patty mccracken who has a new book out the angel makers arsenic a midwife and modern history's most astonishing Murdering Patty is joining us from Martha's Vineyard. Um, Patty, uh, is this an appropriate subject for Women's History Month? Are we, you as a woman, are you proud of your Hungarian sisters for this mass murder?
1: Well, it definitely uh, falls under women's history. I wouldn't say I'm proud of them, but if you um, get into the story, you can certainly in many cases understand why they did what they did.
0: Well, that's brave fighting talk about justifying the murder of their husbands, although they're Hungarian husbands. So maybe we can accept that. Um, Patty, tell me a little bit about the story. It's an incredible story. Uh, where do we start here? Do we start as so often in twentieth-century stories in the First World War?
1: You're exactly right. We start at least my the book starts in uh, in the middle of World War One. And it starts in that little village that even I have trouble pronouncing because I don't speak How do I pronounce
0: English. it? Shame me. What? How do you pronounce <laughs>
1: it? Well, I mean, we're speaking English here, so we do the best we can. Um, I would say Nagarev, something like that. OK. Um, and Nagarev is about 60 miles east of Budapest. And it was at the time and still is a very small farming enclave. Um, and yeah, it started, the, the book picks up in 1916 and when many of the men are off fighting the war.
0: And, and let's remind ourselves that in 1916, Hungary wasn't a state, it was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So it fought on the side of the, the Germans um, in, the, in, in the First World War.
1: Right, right. And so many of the younger men were off fighting the war. Um, but there was still, they were coming back from war and they were coming back kind of, um, what we would today call PTSD, but, and we have treatment for PTSD, but the treatment they had was, you know, found in a bottle. So there was trouble on the home front.
0: Sorry. But, sorry. Uh, excuse, um, uh, this question. When you say, uh, we call, uh, found in a bottle, what do you mean? You mean alcohol?
1: Yeah yeah so there was a problem with alcohol in the village like there um, there was a lot of access to alcohol and it was um, people drank it quite liberally Um, but probably even more so after you know when they're coming back after the war and
0: was there an alcohol of choice when I've been in Hungary uh, I actually had a friend who was the daughter of uh uh one of the wealthiest men in Hungary who produced um, plum brandy, I think. Mm -hmm. Was there a a drink of choice?
1: Plum brandy, which is called palinka, um, and red wine. So plum brandy was definitely... Because they could make it in... You know, they could make it. And they would also use apricots and anything that would ferment and taste pretty good.
0: So these men came back from the war. They had a terrible experience. I mean, it was... The Eastern Front was particularly brutal. Um, And and the Austrians were even defeated, I think, by the the Russians, which was quite an achievement. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But um, they were coming back from war and they were coming back, um, you know, pretty broken men. Um, But there was already a history of abuse of women. Um, They used to keep a, a leather strap by their front door called what we would call an obedience strap as it translates, you know, to keep the wife in line, so to speak. Well, this wasn't
0: unique, though, to no. Nagarev, was it?
1: No, it wasn't unique to Nagarev at all. And it was traditional in that village, villages throughout Hungary, throughout Austria, throughout. It was just the way things were done. Um, but, yeah, these guys were, it was just, the situation as it was, was just getting worse. And so these men were coming back and they were, you know, their heads were full of monsters and they were monsters in the house. So the solution became found from Auntie Susie, who was the midwife who used to literally carry a solution in her pocket of arsenic and say, I have an answer to your problem. She would go around and she would say, why are you bothering with him? And then she would, Pull her solution out of her pocket and say, I have a way. I can help you with this. But it's not so easily boiled down into the men came back from war, the women were troubled by these troubled men, and they found a solution. This is not, there's not a straight line that gets you here, you know? Um, This is not, Hungary didn't make up poisoning men, you know, by women. This was. Um, I think the French called arsenic inheritance powder, but it was not uncommon for this to happen. What was uncommon for it to happen was in the number of murders. Um, Auntie Susie was the midwife. She was quite a um, very knowledgeable woman on plant medicine, which was very normal for the midwife in, European villages to, to be the doctor, the vet, the counselor, they were very central figures in village life. So she knew everything about plant medicine. She knew she could fix everything from a headache to a hernia and more. And so she was very much relied upon. Um, but that she began, excuse me, that she began, um, Bringing murder to whole, wholesale murder to Nagarev was what made her unique and what made this situation unique. Um, other women were doing this, and they were doing this in um, Nagarev and other places, but they were doing it to assist a friend or a sister or a mother to help them out of unbearable situations. And they weren't like Auntie Susie doing it for profit, which she was.
0: Is there a feminist narrative then here, or, or was Auntie Susie just a uh, a, a callous entrepreneur of um, of murder?
1: Well, that's interesting. I think you know. Again, there's not a straight line. There's not a straight line. Auntie Susie had mixed. I think. I think it was one of those things where she became more emboldened and she began to feel as though she had every right to do this. I think she always felt like she had every right to do it, but she began to feel like, well, I can help them and help myself at the same time. So I can help them by, you know, helping them get out of a bad situation and I can help myself by getting tidy sums from this. But it then became as an, as arms of this, it became, what can she do to better herself even more? Like, who can she get out of her way that would better herself even more? Um, or who could she? Who should she keep alive? That is uh, is of her interest to her to keep alive. How
0: so, how, how many people lived in Nagore?
1: Um, typical small hamlet, eight hundred, something like that.
0: And how many people died, or were murdered? Should we say
1: they feared um, more than one hundred and sixty. The prosecutor felt there was more than 160 he could prosecute, though he did not because he wasn't allowed. So,
0: 100, so that's almost a quarter of the entire population.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And all men, every single one of those 160 no. were male?
1: No, there were some females as well. There were some women as well. And this was, there was not just Nagariv. This also fanned out to neighboring villages, but Nagariv was called the hornet's nest.
0: It sounds like a giant... Agatha Christie mur- mystery murder. I mean, didn't everyone, wasn't the, the village and the neighborhood, the, the neighboring villages buzzing with rumor?
1: Yeah. It absolutely it started. And the police,
0: with- presumably the police were involved. I mean, all these different deaths. How were they explained when these people were dying?
1: Well, when there's no police in the, in the village, you get away with a lot. So there were gendarmes, which were the country police of the country. They were located in a village called Tisakert, but to get to Tisakert, you had to get across a dead channel of the river. It's not easy to get to. So Nagarev was literally a backwater um, village. It literally was kind of choked off because earlier, several decades before, you know, the World War One that part of the river was um regulated so it created this dead channel so it meant that a very remote village became extremely remote because it was just so hard to get to and and they didn't have any gendarmes there and they had a um the head of the village the village clerk was um not interested in what was going on in peasant life so people were trying to get his attention after a while and he was so you know they're silly they don't know what they're talking about
0: it's almost like a a lord of the flies for adults
1: Mm, yeah yeah that's probably that is a good way to yeah you could describe it that way that wouldn't be too
0: i mean you 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 say um uh, patty that um this village was only 60 miles from uh, budapest budapest was a huge international place but that was a long 60 miles. I assume there was no train. The roads were rather poor.
1: Right. Right. The, the nearest rail station was about 25 miles away. And they would have a doctor, for example, they'd have a doctor that would come to the village. But he would only come once a week on, like twos- on Tuesdays. And that's only in reasonable weather. So pretty much from November through March or April, the roads were impassable and he couldn't get in. So the gendarmes were supposed to also be patrolling in Nagarev, but, you know, they couldn't get in and it just wasn't practical.
0: Budapest in the 1920s, of course, was a great international city and also a highly innovative place when it came to new ideas, particularly about politics, uh, feminism, socialism, communism. There was even a a communist revolution in Budapest. Uh, Mm Was any of this permeating into the village? Was, was any of it done in, in the language of politics and a rebellion against a, a, a traditional patriarchal world?
1: I didn't find that. What I found was um, women who were in desperate situations and when they saw other women getting away with it, why became why not? Um, It became, it's sort of like, there's a great book by Patricia Highsmith called The Tremor of Forgery, where you see how morals can shift, a person's morals can shift when they're in a different environment. And so I think Susie created this environment that made it okay. Um, There were also times when Susie did this, um, appears to have done this of her own accord. So with women, really not being party to what she was doing to their husbands but feeling like oh he's sick or oh he's he's insane uh, as or troubled um so i'm just going to do away with him it'll make their lives easier and then they'll owe me so they were often a victim of her as well
0: not yeah it's often- as if uh, auntie they susie could have been created by you mentioned patricia heisman she would have loved this character i mean um What about the role of the church? This was an an incredibly Catholic society. Were were any priests poisoned? And what was the official response of the local church people to all this?
1: This was a Protestant community, but there were Catholics living there. Um, Mm. But there was a big backlash when everything came to light in 1929, and there was all there were all kinds of things in the press about you know these people have no religion and you know they blamed the pastor quite a bit and so he he lost his job as a result and they sent somebody new in there to kind of um, spiritually guide these these people, but churches were largely I you know I can't say that they were empty but it wasn't it it wasn't really part of their daily lives he was not. Um, he was not necessarily guiding them that way.
0: Was this viewed by the um, authorities as a kind of an embarrassment? The man who ruled Hungary in the interwar period, uh, Admiral Hordy was a strong um, uh, Hungarian nationalist. uh, He wasn't a fascist, but certainly a right-wing nationalist. Were, were, Were the authorities in Budapest, were they ashamed by this mass killing of of mostly men in this village quite close to budapest
1: that's an excellent point i would say they were less ashamed and they were more outraged they were out they were absolutely outraged and it wasn't just outrage at um nagarev it was it was outrage that spread to um for all villages everywhere what is going on with our um, villages. What's going on? You know, the only the only great the only people who have any sensible way to live are the people in the cities. What are we doing? You know, what's going on with our populations in the village? And Horthy was one of them. And he put a lot of pressure on the prosecutor of the case, who was um, a man named Janos uh, Kronberg, who I, I I anglicized the name, so I called him John Kronberg. But he put tremendous pressure on Kronberg and th- was threatening to take the case away from him, to bring it to Budapest. And um, that didn't happen, but it almost happened.
0: In the 1930s, there was a the rise of particularly virulent form of Hungarian fascism, the Arrow Cross Party, eventually came to power. Many Jews, of course, uh, in hu- Hungary, uh, I-, I assume that this was a purely hung- ethnically Hungarian business. That uh, mm-hmm. outsiders, foreigners, Serbs, Jews, Gypsies weren't involved.
1: You mean in the um, killings? Yeah, themselves? in the killings.
0: The village was was
1: Hungarian village.
0: Hungarian. Mm-hmm and to what extent might it also have been bound up in the humiliation of the not so much the first world war you mentioned ps uh, you know the 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 consequence of the war itself but of the peace in which hungary was profoundly shamed at trianon and, and its territory was shrunk was shrunk radically
1: well i think what happened was um it had more to do with um, the Romanian war, which followed World mm. War I. and but it had more to do with the Romanians occupying, excuse me, occupying um, the village, and
0: but and the like, Hungarians didn't occupy uh, your village; it was first-
1: Romanian. Oh, they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And it allowed. It didn't really affect what was going on, except it affected Auntie Susie's ability to do what she wanted to do, although she managed to do it anyway. I
0: guess uh, I was thinking it was more central, but it's actually further to the east. It's not actually that far from the Romanian border. So how far is it? I mean, we think of all this, um, and of course, Transylvania looms large, a, a place of mythology and blood killings. Is there any connection between dracula or the the legend of dracula and the the real crimes that you report in your book patty
1: well no but i would say that with um the romanians had a big battle in the romanians and the hungarians had a huge battle in solnok which is the county seat where the trials took place and so when the romanian you
0: live there in solnok
1: I lived there. Ah, There's my dog. I lived there for a few months while I was doing the most intensive.
0: research. Great. No one murdered you. You didn't get poisoned by anyone. No,
1: I I was careful about the wine and the goulash though. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, But Transylvania, there were, I think the main thing was that all of this stuff was going on. And I tried to bring that out in the book as much as I could, is that when the borders were redrawn at Trianon and, and, Hungary ended up having more of its population living outside the country than inside. I still can't wrap my head around waking up in my own country and it's not my own country anymore. I still can't wrap my head around that. But what it meant was more violence was actually brought to Solnok um, in the terms of the communist, uh, this is getting into a lot of stuff that actually is in the book, but when the communists were fighting and then the Romanians were fighting the communists for even more spoils of war, it in a way kept the village clerk and everybody occupied on other things. These were all ways that the midwife could get away with doing more and more because nobody's paying attention.
0: Yeah, I mean, there, there needs to be. Maybe she, she should have been called the mid-death rather than the midwife. <laughs> you
1: know, right. But even Spanish flu came to the
0: village and that right. was... It was there act- was a lot going on, a lot of explanation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you quote Jack uh, John Jack McCormack uh, in the New York Times. I'm not sure if he was on the ground in uh, Hungary from March 1930. He wrote, it was a business of poisoning. The boldness and utter callousness of their criminal activities seems to have been equaled only by the stupidity of their victims. Were the men particularly dimwitted on this? They didn't wake up to the fact that they were slowly being murdered?
1: That's a good question. There was one situation where um, there was one man walking down the street, and he's like, you know, walking along, and he runs into some friends of his, people he at least knew, who were actually on their way to his funeral. They thought that he had been killed. <laughs> There's so many people that were being killed, and it doesn't help that everybody had the same names, you know. That um,
0: they all sp- they we- all have the same names.
1: Well, you know, there was lots of, and lots of Stevens and lots of, you know, lots, everybody, there wasn't a lot of wide range of names that were chosen for people. But, um, but there was a lot of it going on and there was, you know, they did get suspicious at one point and it was after a young man died, a 23 year old man who they suspected was killed by his mother so you can see this is not a straight line of just yeah i
0: know parents lovers even sons why would a mother kill their son
1: i don't have an answer to that question maybe
0: he was particularly naughty in some way
1: (laughs) nobody deserved what he got
0: Uh, but is that established truth or just rumor that a mother killed her own son
1: it's true it's true uh, and she was she was hanged for it. She was the first woman to be hanged in I think eighty years in Hungary.
0: Yeah, so let's get to that. Um, so eventually, what did, did did Hercule Poirot show up in the village? How did all this get solved?
1: <laughs> come to come to come to figure. Yes, he did. Uh, this got solved almost because the universe screamed for it to get solved. Um, it was essentially anonymous notes that had been being written and sent, slipped under the door into the village hall for years and years. And the, the, again, the head of the village was just ignoring them. He finally, I don't want to give too much away, but anyway, don't give
0: everything away because we want people the books out tomorrow. I want everyone to read it. It's going to be, I think it's going to do very well, especially for the the true crime. uh, community. Yeah.
1: But it's anonymous notes. And then another, um, murder in a neighbouring village sort of pointed the finger back at Nagarev. But it was really until then that, I mean, people were practically stumbling over bodies and it wasn't being recognised.
0: Yeah, and then there was a public trial. How many people were executed?
1: Um, four, a couple, four were executed. Several received life sentences. Some were overturned on conviction. Um, some women served, you know, like eight years to 15 years, um, some died in prison. Um, And then, you know, just as many were set free and it really boiled down to if they confessed or not. And there was one woman who, I don't know, but I do suspect that she was innocent. Um, But she, and I think it was a situation where Susie did her a favor, quote unquote,
0: I saw one photo of a woman carrying her
1: baby baby
0: into the trial. I mean, it must have been intensely dramatic.
1: Can you imagine?
0: Yeah, carrying your own baby. I guess there was no father to look after the baby since she'd murdered him.
1: Yeah. Well, there was one woman. This could be a woman named Esther who uh, gave birth to a baby in prison. And I don't know if that was, I don't know if, how that baby came about i don't know if it was a guard or if it was you know someone else i don't know but that i i wonder those women were never identified in those pictures and i do wonder if that is a woman who gave birth in prison but um but yeah like you said these were not always these weren't old women who were doing this these were women who were in their 20s 30s 40s doing this But, um, yeah, just as many, like I was going to say, there was one woman who was put in solitary confinement for a month. And finally, she confessed. And as soon as she confessed, she withdrew her confession. And I suspect she confessed just because solitary confinement for a month will do things to you, you know, you'd say anything to get. I
0: assume there was a lot of mistreatment, revenge. Yeah torture perhaps even murders patty you've been a, an international journalist your whole life you've you've worked in the former soviet bloc post-war bosnia um, you as you said you you stationed just in uh shalnik uh t- to write some of this uh you write in your bio on your uh on your website that it's your first book and it took you a very long time to write it did it take you a long time to write this particular book, or any book? How did you choose to write about this? Because you could, you know, in your in your long um, long history as, as an international journalist, you've been a, a Knight International Press Fellow. You've you, your work has appeared in all sorts of places. Why did you choose to write this book?
1: Uh, I think it chose me. <laughs> it was a story that just didn't go away. I found this story in um, I was. I found this strange story, you know, just like a couple of paragraphs. I think it was actually a British publication. And it was written kind of tongue in cheek. And it was maybe, you know, like, what's going on here, you know? And so I actually got my neighbor, Harold, who was a photographer, and got him to take a road trip with me. And um, I reported this story as an article. Uh, the article came out and it just kind of just stayed with me you know it was just i used to bring it up at parties and people would say wow that sounds like a book i'm like oh yeah yeah but i don't write books you know i don't have the attention span for a book and um yeah had i known it would take me as long as it did i yeah i wouldn't have done how long
0: it. did it take you
1: um seed to fruit 14 years
0: wow. but that-
1: that involves you know lots of lots of time here and there. But as far as writing and reporting, that was about eight years.
0: and there was a there was two thousand and five uh, documentary about this. Um, I'm assuming that um, that's I, I'd love to see it actually. I, I'm assuming that you've seen that, and I'm also assuming that this could make a great Netflix documentary
1: yeah, well, we'll take things one step at a time. Um, but yeah, Auntie Susie is quite a she's quite a character. And I think just even the women, it's, it's odd to think that in this village, um, everybody is descended, most everybody, I wouldn't say everybody, but most everybody or many people are descended from either um, perpetrators or victims, and in some cases, both. And I do want to give I do want to say that Nagarev you know hates having this around its neck all the time it would really rather move on from this and it's this
0: understandable
1: yeah isn't it understandable because they have a lot of compassion for the women they have a lot of these are their relatives but these are also this thing that happened and they have a lot of compassion for the abuse these women suffered and they want to move on from it But it's also something that it does feel like it did happen. The story kind of does have relevance today. Yeah,
0: well, speaking of relevance today, um, we've done many shows on contemporary Hungary, particularly Orbán, Victor Orbán, the, I don't know what you would call him, authoritarian, uh, anti-democratic leader in Hungary not quite a fascist but certainly on the road to fascism Uh, he of course has fetishized villages like um I'm guessing that the Orban regime is not crazy about this story it doesn't exactly reflect well on the pure Hungarian village
1: you know it it happened in Nagyarev so you can't move the location of where it happened but you can bring to light that it did happen and the reasons it happened, and try to understand that these women were in desperate situations, and that that is like you, like I said, you cannot draw a straight line. No, no, I,
0: I take your point. But 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 did you ever have any issues with the Hungarian authorities uh, in in terms of this rather bad publicity? I guess for uh hungary with the author i do you think the authorities are I, i'm guessing they're not particularly thrilled with this book
1: i'm guessing they're not particularly thrilled with the book but so, i
0: which is good reason to for for us to be thrilled with it in my view anyway <laughs>
1: yeah well i think that it was i had a wonderful assistant who was and is a solo historian And I think it did help because, you know, if I'm, you know, if it's just this American coming in there and sort of not understanding how they live, even though I lived in a village for many, many years in Austria, I'm still not one of them and haven't earned the right to even claim I'm one of them, one of them. It did help to have quite a bit to have somebody who spoke their local dialect and helped them understand that this isn't a sensational telling of the tale, I hope. I hope it's been done with respect and integrity for the village, for the people, for Hungary, for Solnok, you know. So this isn't, you know, it's not like, um, it's not like, uh, yeah, it's not like some tabloid coming in and saying, oh my god, you know, it's not like what happened. At the trials, when there was a lot of tabloid sort of jazz age journalism coming in and doing this,
0: well, like the like the the Pompeo movie, uh, the the the, the Pompeii story, the uh, the blood and ink story of the um, Paul's Mills murder case. Do you expect um, the true crime people to be buying reading this book, or or, or is it more for it, people interested in Women's History Month, or perhaps for people interested in reading about? south central europe
1: i think it's all of those things i mean true crime is the most obvious thing but everything that has conflict is probably has true crime somewhere i mean watergate is true crime
0: but it's also so much bigger even richard nixon didn't kill 160 no, people
1: well, you know you could say the bible's true crime because it's so much bigger there's so many aspects of the ways that you can look at this and I think it is especially compelling for women because it happened for a reason. If these women had not been um, troubled and not been silenced and not been afraid of abuse, then it it wouldn't have happened and certainly not the scale that it didn't have. Susie, Susie would not have had a market at which to sell her arsenic.
0: Well, finally, Patty, I mean, obviously none of this can be vindicated or justified, but I assume that the... Position of of women in the in the village now uh, in that part of Hungary is significantly better than it was. So on Women's History Month, March twenty twenty three, how might we conclude this sad story of the angel makers and their one hundred and sixty ish murders?
1: Well, I think we can conclude that again. I would go back to saying that this could happen. This happened for a reason, and there are, you know, women, we women were still suffering abuse, and we're still at losing our rights, and so if I look at it, and I say, even in the 1970s, my mother wasn't even allowed to have, you know, a credit card in her name. My mom didn't even have a name. She was Mrs. J. Everett McCracken, you know. She wasn't even known except to her friends, and that was, you know, I was just a kid at that time, so it's, we haven't come as far as we like to think that we've come, so this could be even read as a cautionary tale, you know. In the you know,
0: si- if in some village in America, if all the men start dying, or maybe the men on the Supreme Court, we know that uh, well, the ghost, at least of what's her name, Auntie uh, Auntie Susie, Auntie Susie, uh, and and that maybe there's a good uh, Dracula story about eventually killing that ghost.
1: Well, yeah, that there you go. That would be good. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a reason. There was a great show called Bad Sisters. I can't remember what, how was it, HBO Max, or I don't know if you got it over there, but it was this fabulous show, um, a series, and it was about these sisters who are trying to off their, their evil brother-in-law. And when I tell a lot of women about the story, they're like, yep, Bad Sisters, <laughs> yep, The Angel Makers. You know, The Bad Sisters was, um, was fiction, and this is nonfiction, but, you know, people can relate to trying to get out of a difficult situation.